You're listening to the Armchair Cricket Podcast. Hello all. Welcome to another episode of Armchair Cricket Podcast, a podcast focusing on test cricket by armchair critics of the game. I am your host Ajit and I'll be joined by Chetan who's a returning host. Chetan will be helping us analyze the recently concluded uh, first Ashes test as well as the India versus West Indies T20 series. Our regular host Giri is away on a holiday still and uh, he'll be joining us in one of the upcoming episodes. Without further ado, let's have a quick listen to what Chetan has to add regarding the first Ashes test. Hi, my name is Chetan and I am going to give my views on the first test of the Ashes 2019 being held in uh, Edgbaston in uh, England and also the T20i series between India and the West Indies. Post the World Cup, uh, I think people are still uh, reminiscing about the final and what could have been and uh, whether it was lucky or unlucky for the New Zealand team or, uh, you know, lucky for the England team basically to lift the World Cup under uh, controversial circumstances, which was not really controversial, but it was made out to be because the rule wasn't really used before so much and it definitely wasn't used in such a critical moment in any other game. Coming to the Ashes test, I think the world saw the re-emergence of uh, Steve Smith and the effectiveness of Nathan Lyon. Steve Smith coming after the ban, one year ban served for uh, the Sandpaper Gate, uh, proved who he is because his innings of a century 144 from 122 for 8 on the first afternoon clearly had Australia back in the reckoning in the game and at the end that's what won them the match. The second innings however he added salt to the wound by producing another innings uh, joining fellow Australians like uh, Steve Waugh, Matthew Hayden recently to make a pair of centuries in an Ashes test. Stephen Smith came up with an innings of substance to silence his critics and to rediscover himself on the international stage after the World Cup where Australia lost in the semi-finals. Once the England batsmen started batting, Rory Burns made a fantastic 100, 133 to give them a lead of 90. But once again, the Australians in the second innings with ideal batting conditions put up a huge score with Matthew Wade getting his third 100 once the score or the target for the Englishman went past 250, it was always going to be trouble as Nathan Lyon was definite to spin a web around his batsman. He himself saw another 5-wicket haul in another country where now he has 5-wicket hauls in 7 different countries which is 3 more than Ravichandran Ashwin and Yasir Shah with 4. So as we head forward to the second test at Lords, where Chris Wokes is having a wonderful time, whether it may be a one-day international or a test match, England would likely look at Jofra Archer as a likely replacement. That's it for the Ashes. Coming off to the West Indies and India series, I think it was going to be 
a tough one at the beginning of the series with two games being played at Florida. People expected a lot more out of West Indies in this format, basically because this is the only format they can compete against the tougher teams. However, being used to the flat English batting conditions during the early part of the World Cup, they struggled to cope with the ball not coming onto the bat in the T20 series and ended up losing it 3-0. Rishabh Pant was the bright spot for the Indian team because of his twin failures in the first two matches. People really questioning his approach towards his innings. But again, he said that right in the third T20I with Captain Kohli as well chipping in with a 50. The main gains for the Indian team looking ahead was the bowling of Deepak Chahar who picked up three wickets as well as some opportunities for people like KL Rahul who came in place of the rested Rohit Sharma in the third T20I. And now they look forward to the ODI series which begins on Thursday the 8th and which will have three ODIs and then we have a couple of test matches. Looking once again at the T20 series, uh, the failures of people like Hetmeyer and Nicholas Pooran, who was the form player for them during the World Cup, was a huge setback for the West Indies. Also, where West Indies cricket stands now, it wouldn't be a bad idea for Shea Hope and Jason Holder to play all formats and all games in each of those formats because for a weak team to have split squads for different formats doesn't really augur well for the future because uh, they are in and out of the team and they don't have a rhythm for example uh, a person like john campbell who had a glorious innings of 179 in the tri-nation series in ireland before the world cup was dropped just after two games so this chopping and changing certainly will not help the West Indies team because they are unlike the Indian team who are spoiled for choices. Uh, even for India that's what happened in the World Cup semi-final where they left out Mohammad Shami and it really did not pay them any dividends. Thank you. Thanks to Chitan for that very succinct summary of the first test of Ashes and the West Indies versus India T20 series. Now moving on. Uh, let's take a quick look at the three T20s that have been played between uh, UAE and Netherlands held in the Netherlands. So the first of those T20s was held in Amstelveen on the 3rd of August, which uh, United Arab Emirates won by 13 runs. Batting first, they scored 181 for 5 thanks to Ashfaq Ahmed's 54, Mohamed Usman's 52 and uh, they were able to restrict Netherlands to 168 for 4. It was a bit of a strange thing that it looked like Netherlands did not go all out towards the end with only uh, Edwards, the keeper, uh, making 34 of 20 balls. Uh, Stahl, who was batting not out at the end, had made 19 of 17 balls. Also, uh, Matthew Dowd, who was opening, made 51 of 35. In the second T20, which was again played in the same ground at Amstelveen in VRA, United Arab Emirates won this match by five wickets. So, in this game, Netherlands batted first and made 136 for nine. This was a little bit of an underpar score, thanks to Ben Cooper's 46, and the captain sale are making 34. But the United Arab Emirates were able to chase this down very comfortably, making 140 for 5 with 3 balls to spare. Thanks to Ramesh Shahzad's 49, Mohamed Usman's 34, and the opener Ashwak again making 25. In the last of the three T20s that have been played so far, UAE batted first. This was actually held in uh, The Hague, by the way. And the UAE batted first and they made 152 for 8. 
and they were able to restrict Netherlands to 138 for 9. So in this case, Ashwak Ahmed again made a half century, making 56, and there were steady contributions down the order. But Netherlands, in spite of a very strong 65 by Odoud, were not able to carry on and they lost by 14 runs. So it looks like it's a bit of an upset when it comes to results, it looks like, because Netherlands were the fancy team playing at home with all the local support behind them. But they have fallen behind 3-0 and the fourth T20 is uh, scheduled to be played today. That is the 8th of August. So we'll keep an eye on the series as well. Now, if you were to look at the last T20 international of the women's ashes. So this was a consolation win for England women who beat Australia by 17 runs. So this game was played at Bristol where England women batted first and made 139 for 5. So Danny White made 20, Heather Knight made 23 and Linfield who scored 26 and Kathleen Brunt who scored 25 finished strongly for England. In trying to chase this, Australia fell short uh, in spite of some good efforts, Healy making 28 and Ellis Perry who made another fantastic 60 not out. But this was not enough as uh, Kathleen Brunt uh, had an all-round role as she also took three wickets and finished the man of the match. Now then, moving on, let's take a look at some of the interesting news from outside of the cricketing field. The most important news you could say that one heard in this interim was that Dale Stain, probably who can be called as the best fast bowler this century, has announced his retirement from tests. So he finishes with 439 wickets from 93 tests and uh, he's the highest wicket taker for South Africa. Apart from having one of the best strike rates for any fast bowler ever, he also had a lot of awards bestowed on him. For example, he was the number one test bowler for a record 263 weeks between 2008 and 2014. He's won the ICC's Test Cricketer of the Year in 2008. He was the Wisden Cricketer of the Year in 2013. Also, he was the leading cricketer in the world uh, as named by Wisden Albanac in uh, 2014 and so on. So all of these show how effective he has been. Unfortunately, due to injuries plaguing the latter part of his career, he had uh, spent 41 months going from 400 to 422 wickets and earlier this year he has overtaken Sean Pollock and now uh, was the highest wicket taker for South Africa. So I would say he retires from test cricket with a very, very good record, something that every aspiring fast bowler can look up to. But he's still available for selection as far as limited overs cricket is concerned and T20s abroad are concerned. So we wish him all the best with his career. Going further, it has come to our notice that Pakistan Cricket Board has planned to play PSL 2020 entirely in Pakistan. This is a very good news for cricket fans in Pakistan and around the world. So four cities, Lahore, Karachi, Multan and Rawalpindi have been chosen to cover the 34 games that are slated for this tournament. So this remains a really, really big decision considering that they have been wrapping up the amount of international cricket that's played, for example, some T20 11s had visited it, a World 11 had visited it. Therefore, this is a logical next step. Also, as far as PSL is concerned, they played four matches uh, and then only the finals earlier and so on. So they're ramping it up nicely and we really hope that uh, this comes to fruition and international cricket returns to Pakistan as soon as possible. The next important news that we can bring to your uh, notice is that there has been a coaching roulette going on ever since uh, the World Cup ended. It looks like at least three international coaches are set to lose their jobs. Otis Gibson, who was the international coach or the head coach of South Africa, will not be continued as the coach. Mickey Arthur, who was also similarly the head coach of Pakistan, would also not continue. And Chandika Hathurasinghe, who was the head coach of Sri Lanka, will also lose his job. So what happens with Gibson and Arthur 
as far as their career is concerned next is not yet clear but at least as far as hathura singha is concerned it looks like he'll be probably in the top 3 choices for bangladesh uh, top coaching role so earlier we remember that bangladesh also had let their coach go so it looks like some of these people will play a bit of musical chairs maybe one person may replace another in a different setup and so on another important thing is all the support staff maybe the batting coach the bowling coach the fielding coach and so on in each of these setups are also set to be replaced so it's going to be an interesting uh, couple of months for uh, these uh, renowned coaches what with india also uh, looking for a new head coach and so on uh, it's going to be a very interesting uh, period now if we go further we have heard that shakib alhasan the renowned cricketer from bangladesh has called for a rotation policy so what he says is that bcb that is bangladesh cricket board should make a clear uh, rotor of rotation so that uh, players are aware beforehand so that they get breaks so why he says this is he was given a break from the recently concluded 3 odi series that was played in sri lanka but not every cricketer was given this opportunity also some of the players were carrying injuries from after the world cup like mashraf murtaza mahmudullah mushfiqur rahim mohammad saifuddin mustafizur rahman and mosadiq hussain all of these were chosen in the initial 14 man squad that was supposed to tour sri lanka it turns out that uh, mashraf murtaza could not tour and uh, with some leading cricketers missing bangladesh struggled and lost the series 3-0 to the hosts that apart i think it's good that uh, the points sakib makes that there be a clear rotation policy and people who've played a lot of cricket be given a break so that they can come back strongly both mentally and physically Uh, many countries including uh, india australia england all of these have a rotation policy in place which is enacted from time to time even skippers are allowed to rest so i think it's as important as getting a mental break as much as a physical one because players always play through niggles we know this but even uh, turning away from the game and sort of switching your head off and trying to not worry about how the next upcoming period of play will go will be very beneficial to players i think that's what he's highlighting here going further umar akmal the slightly controversial cricketer from pakistan has come out with another uh, interesting statement so he's accused a former test player mansoor akhtar a pakistani former test player of a corrupt approach during the ongoing global t20 canada and he's brought it to the notice of the pcb's anti corruption unit so if this turns out to be true it looks like he may have nipped one such uh, you know bad incident in the bud so that's well done to umar akmal but knowing that he has a little bit of tendency to jump the gun we don't know how this is going to evolve so we're going to keep our eyes uh, trained on this specific uh, incident as well now as a unfortunate fallout of zimbabwe being suspended by the icc it looks like at least two countries have benefited from this so in the women's cricket namibia who finished second to zimbabwe in the african qualifiers will actually be allowed to take part in the icc women's t20 world cup or at least the qualifiers for it so basically there'll be two qualifying spots from a bunch of eight countries that are going to fight for it and this will be held in february march next year so uh, namibia or namibian women's team will take their place there also the nigerian men's team uh, they'll be uh, taking part in the men's t20 qualifier because again they are the third african side and uh, they had finished third in the african qualifiers because zimbabwe are now disqualified they'll be taking the place of zimbabwe in the men's t20 world cup qualifier so it's a good thing because zimbabwe is now unable to participate or is not able to participate it looks like some of these other countries are able to benefit from it but is it a good thing for zimbabwe definitely not so we really hope this fiasco with zimbabwe uh, with zimbabwean board and so on comes to close quickly and zimbabwe resumes its uh, international cricket in a little bit of a farcical news it looks like dravid is the latest uh, ex indian cricketer to get a conflict of interest news or a conflict of interest notice from the ombudsman 
Justice DK Jain retired. It looks like this uh, person who's both the ethics officer and the ombudsman has chosen that uh, has chosen to point out that Dravid is a paid employee of India Cements. Unfortunately, this is a this does not show BCCI in a good light simply because this specific thing was one of the holdups for Dravid to take up a role in NCA and this was cleared out before he took it up. So it looks like there is some miscommunication between the people running COA and maybe the ombudsman or maybe because he's an independent authority, he calls for an independent uh, approach. So it remains to be seen whether Dravid will write in reply or maybe come and have a meeting with uh, Mr. J and uh, the issues will be sorted out. So these were some of the interesting off-field news from the cricketing world. Going further, if you were to look at the trivia question, so the trivia question from the previous episode was, when was the last time two bowlers bowled an entire completed innings, uh, that is a test innings, before the England and Ireland test? So we know that the fourth innings of the England and Ireland test had just Stokes and uh, Broad, I mean Wokes and Broad bowling. So the previous such occasion was the question. So the previous such occasion was New Zealand versus England. Uh, in March 2018, in which uh, Saudi and Bolt bowled England out for 58. So as usual, our uh, keen listener, Yogesh has got the answer right. And we also encourage other listeners to write in with an answer. The trivia question from this week is a sort of an exploratory one. So the question is, how many times in the history of T20s have maidens been bowled in the last over? As we discussed earlier, um, there was a maiden bowled by Saini in the last over uh, of the first T20 between England, uh, India and West Indies. Therefore, the question is, how many such occasions have happened in T20s? And not just international T20s, but overall, T20s overall. So we have an idea of what the answer is, but we are very keen to also listen if uh, some of our listeners come up with a different answer. So we can get into a discussion about this in the upcoming episode. You could get in touch with us about your thoughts of what is the right answer uh, for this trivia question or with your thoughts and comments about our podcast uh, through social media medium. For example, um, uh, we are on Twitter at armchaircrickpod. On Facebook page, uh, we could also write in using our Facebook page or you could write into us at armchair.cricket at gmail.com. You could also leave a comment on YouTube or any of the podcasting apps you use, Podbean, Acast, Stitcher, whichever, it's not a problem. So as we continue to discuss a very interesting Ashes test coming up and more international cricket involving India and West Indies for sure. So I hope uh, you're all tuned in and you're able to also listen to our upcoming episodes. Thank you for listening and have a good day. Bye-bye. You're listening to the Armchair Cricket Podcast.